Welcome, everyone. My name is Peter Rossi, and I'm here today with Andrew Bright. Andrew is the president and, and CEO of C4 Imaging, and this is American Brachytherapy Society Industry Spotlight, and this is our first episode. And to be honest, this is my first podcast, but I'm very happy to have Andrew with us here today. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good, Peter. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. You know, a couple of things I wanted to get out of the way before we began. Number one is I wanted a really clever British invasion intro for you, but I, I really couldn't put my finger on what it should be. Should it be Coldplay or should it be the Beatles? What What would you choose? Um, I would go for Echo and the Bunnymen over the wall. Oh, that's fantastic. Which, um, which everybody should listen to at least once in their life, preferably live. Excellent. Hopefully I can get that part of the recording. So thank you for that. And then second question has to do with both of our favorite topic that we think long and hard about and have many, many deep conversations on, international football. So I, I got to ask you, who's your team? When did you last see them? How do you think their prospects are for the year? And what do you think of the UEFA championship draws yesterday? Okay, so my, my favorite team, which of course is a world-renowned one, um, is Cambridge United, aspiring to move from the, the first division into the championship, which it still has them, has them one below the premiership in the UK. I actually saw them play last weekend, which I was pleased to be able to do. I went to the UK briefly to visit my mother and had a chance to meet up with an old friend who lives close by, and we went and see Cambridge play in the second round of the FA Cup. Uh, the second round of the FA Cup is the the round before all the big teams join. So so that was fun. Good to see a friend and good to see my hometown play. And in terms of you know the UEFA Cup or any of the big league stuff, I'm I'm probably going to defer to you on that one. I understand some of the 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 draw issues were significant, and some teams were drawn against some other teams, and then they cancelled it and had to restart it. So uh, one of the delights of supporting a lower league soccer team is you don't often have to worry about those big team situations. So, yeah, so Cambridge United. So, again, I, I advocate everybody taking a look out for them. Well, I'll be watching them in the FA Cup, and thanks for, thanks for sharing. So it, it really is a pleasure to sit down and talk with you today. This is our first of, of what will hopefully be a series of industry spotlights, and it's fun to focus on C4 because I know you've been doing it a long time, and we've known each other a long time. and I just you know, help me understand what C4 is, what's your history, and what's the reason for setting up this company? Sure, that's a, a, a good question. And, and, and thanks for giving us a chance to, you know, to have this chat. Yeah, C4 Imaging has been around now for some time, uh, set up in the, the early, and I never know quite what to call them, the 2010s, I guess, but uh, around about nine or 10 years ago, and was set up originally to attempt to address one of the the age-old issues of many medical procedures, but particularly brachytherapy, and that's what's the best way of imaging the anatomy that's being treated, as well as the anatomy that's best to avoid. And it's long been sort of acknowledged that MRI was a, a great way to see anatomy in many, many different medical procedures. And typically, prostate brachytherapy, in this case, LDR brachytherapy, was a ultrasound-imaged procedure but a CT image from a planning and a post-implant point of view. So, so C4 Imaging was really set up to address, is there a way of delivering better quality, both in terms of the planning and the treatment assessment, and also 
the training of physicians who practice prostate brachytherapy. So we looked looked at various ways of of doing that, and eventually came up with a a novel MRI agent which could be encapsulated, placed next to radioactive seeds, and then used to visualize the precise localized location of those seeds on MRI. So that sort of was the sort of the genesis of C4 imaging. So really trying to drive quality. You know, I I, I come from a background of prostate brachytherapy for a long, long time. I, I, I first got involved in prostate brachytherapy back in the mid-90s when I came to the U.S. on a secondment um, for a, a two-year stint with Amersham International, who were uh, one of the early companies in the space of uh, making radioactive seeds. That two-year stint turned into a 26-year, two children, American citizenship, um, and I'm still here and still loving it, experience. So it, that, that certainly goes to show whatever you plan, it, it often changes. And I joined C4 Imaging, having worked for Amersham and then GE, who ultimately purchased Amersham International, for, um, for many reasons, mostly the option to get involved in something new, something from the start, something that I truly thought could make a difference, that was focused on improving quality and had, a, had the opportunity to, to translate some of the things I'd learned in the big company environment into a small company environment. So yeah, it's, you know, C4 Imaging was founded on the, the concept of better quality based on MRI. And, and I, when I first heard about both the product, the idea, the philosophy, I was enthused about joining the company. Now, that's fantastic. I think in my entire career, I've used MRI for every tumor-directed therapy, and you touch on the word quality, it's just what it brings. You would never imagine treating a brain tumor without what an MRI can bring to the treatment planning process, yet, you know, if you go through your 26-year history, ultrasound, even, you know, even non-biplanar ultrasound and CT have been the basis of how we've assessed quality, and, you know, we've always just needed to be better, and MRI is the tool. I think people have always created obstacles, but you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And ever since I can remember 2003, 2004, MRI has been the basis of my prostate cancer treatment planning, regardless of its external beam or brachytherapy. And it's absolutely essential. It's made me individually better, my team better. And I think I've been excited to see your journey through this because Bringing that more to the masses, I think, makes things easier. It doesn't matter what technique you're choosing or what disease site you're choosing. The application of MR for targeting, it's what I feel is a, it's a pillar of quality that needs to be utilized when you can possibly uh, do so. so. And so we talked about MRI and quality, but what actually is C4's technology? How do you do this? Yeah, that's a good question. So C4 is based around a, a unique... MRI contrast agent, um, not an MRI contrast agent in the in the way that you would think of, say, gadolinium, but a, a cobalt-based agent, uh, which is not necessarily approved by the FDA as a drug, more as a component to a medical device. And it's a tiny drop of liquid, literally a very tiny drop of liquid, encapsulated in a, in a small biocompatible polymer. And again, we began C4 imaging with a focus on LDR, and you know, and hopefully I can expand a little bit away from just LDR in, in due course. But but really, where we started was how do we then take that technology and and utilize it to help 
better localized radioactive seeds in in an MRI setting. And so so our device is really a, a functional spacer. It replaces the regular spacer in a seed strand and obviously uh, stranded so it can be connected directly to the radioactive seed. And by replacing the spacer, it serves as the spacer in, in an implant, holding those seeds in the, the, the sort of predetermined geometric alignment. But it also, by virtue of having a small positive signal MRI contrast agent inside of this, this device, enables you to localize on MR post-implant exactly where that spacer is, and the spacer translates to the serious MRI marker. And the serious MRI marker is therefore the device that's being detected on MRI. And then by reference, because it's connected to the seed, you can then precisely localize where the radioactive seed is by direct reference to the serious MRI marker. Right. And I mean, as people know, you cannot see seeds on MRI or anything like seeds on MRI. You can't see a lot of things on MRI, though it's our best tool. So you, you, you're solving this problem. You're, you're bringing, you know, the best tool to us with something you can readily identify on MR and then extrapolate where the seeds are. So your dosimetry is that much more precise to the treatment you just had. There, there's nothing more underwhelming than post-implant dosimetry on CT. And it's, it's, everybody struggles with it shades of gray and, you know, with distortion from the seeds, you really don't know where the apex or base is. You don't know where the rectal interface is. No matter how you try to improve it, we just can't get there. And so there's a lot of variation. I find on MRI, I have very little variation if I utilize, you know, advanced tools versus my CT or ultrasound experience just because of the inherent inadequacies of them. Can, can I just just to pick up on that though, because you made me think of something that that sort of was germane to one of the reasons I did join with C4 Imaging, a publication many many years ago, back in two thousand and two, I think, by Robert Lee, um, along with I think Mac Roach, Jeff Maholsky, Brian Moran, and David Bayer. You know, this is going back a long way, but they they published the, a, a paper looking at contouring the prostate and surrounding structures on CT. And the point of the publication was to compare the volumes that each one of them could determine using the same images. So they took a series of CT images, and and then each one of them independently contoured those images and then compared what each one of them reported. And the differences between these experts in prostate brachytherapy were notable. And and it didn't really reflect on whether they did or didn't do a good job. It was just reflected on how inadequate CT was in really sort of delineating both the prostate and the surrounding structures. And that sort of stuck with me, you know, over the years, not necessarily at the time driving me to think, well, we should be doing MR at that point, but it's always sort of resonated. Well, if, if, if that's what we have, it's clearly not good enough. And then with, you know, the increasing availability of MRI, and increasing access, you know, to not just to large academic centers, it's the sort of the two came together as a rationale as to why we should be, if at all possible, driving towards MRI as a tool for this imaging. Well, yeah, absolutely. How do you get to quality when you have that much variability amongst the the very experts of the field at that time in either external beam-based treatment, SBRT, or with brachytherapy? I mean, 
what would be our expectation of the community learning something with so much nuances if you can't give them a tool to give them quality to begin with? And I think, I, you know, it's really profound to be able to step into the MRI world and to use it and, and see that quality and reliability when you do, I think. And so where, do you, where have you gone from there? You're in the LDR space where you're improving the ability to evaluate your post implant dosimetry among your patients, among groups of patients, because now we can assess it on MRI reliably and it correlates with our implant. And all of a sudden we, we know what we're doing to the rectum, the bladder, what's near and dear to me, the urethra sphincter, controlling that dose, controls strictures, control, or, you know, the apex as we call it or below the apex, but you can actually see that in MR. You're there in that space, but where did you go next? Sure. And that's, again, it's a, a, a great question because one of the other rationales for C4 imaging was that we wanted to be agnostic to, to brachytherapy and supportive of the whole. So what, what we were aiming to do, and I believe we're able to do, is not be focused on one isotope versus another isotope in LDR brachytherapy. We sort of wanted to raise the boat for everybody. In, in creating an enabling technology that didn't link itself to one particular option versus another. And then similarly, the, the next step for, for C4 imaging after sort of bringing through a product that had, of course, had to be developed, had to be put through the FDA, had to be transferred into manufacturing. And that's all pretty you know standard for a medical device company. There's, we're, we're not unique in that. But having sort of achieved that, we then thought, and, and as part of really an overall strategic goal, is HDR is a an, an, another great option for a variety of patients, you know, and there's often there's physician preference, physician experience, there's patient preference, but it's a great option. So we also wanted to make sure that MRI could be brought to bear in HDR brachytherapy as well as LDR brachytherapy. And again, part of our rationale is we believe brachytherapy is is, is an excellent option for patients. And we don't want to be bothered having the debate as to whether it's this seed, that seed, this modality, or the other modality. We really just want brachytherapy to do well. So our, our, our second product, you know, again, processed through a development program and then through FDA for approval and then into manufacturing, was a product we call Orion, which is focused on HDR, brachytherapy. Same core technology, and that's it's the, the C4 imaging agent encapsulated, but this time encapsulated in rather than a, a small point device now into a line which can be used to to image the either the the applicator in HDR or the interstitial needles that are placed into the patient depending on the you know the treatment plan or the treatment intent um, and the nature of the tumor and again utilizing MR as a tool to really visualize the anatomy around where that source is going to be placed so i've been familiar with your MR line marker for HDR since FDA clearance. I use HDR for multiple body sites and LDR, HDR both can be. And it's always from the very beginning, I've always wondered why we, you know, this is my resident brain thinking, why aren't we using MRI for direct planning of HDR? Because it's very different from external beam. You don't need, you know, CT information for planning and stuff. It's it can be planned through the tra treatment planning software directly on ultrasound, MR, you know, and you can think how HDR is utilized in the brain, head, and neck, 
for sarcomas throughout the body, lung, esophagus, all these things I use MR for as well. So I, I, you know, that was one of my first questions as a resident, like, why aren't we doing this direct on MRI? And, you know, lo and behold, what's the answer to that? Well, in, in my mind, the answer was metal. Metal, I've always thought, is the enemy of MRI. And we didn't have an MR line marker until your product became FDA available. There was a lot of tricks and people tried many things. They'd put water down their sources and stuff like that. But that isn't the solution. What you need is to be able to see your needle from the beginning to end to make sure your dosimetry is bulletproof. And this this is the first of its kind, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, Again, it's a novel use of a novel technology. And you make a good point in terms of the, you know, the breadth of applications of, of HDR in, in, in this case, in the, uh, and the Orion line marker is available for use in whatever body site you're using HDR for. So this is, this is not uh, simple, let's translate LDR prostate into HDR prostate. This is anywhere where you wish to see the exact track on MR of that source. And, and it's, it's really neat how you can see that. I use, again, HDR for a lot of disease sites, and I can get an MR for most patients at most time for radiation treatment procedures. That's pretty much a pass through for everything I do, but not having to fuse to a CT, you know, actually having that direct correlation with the target has been really, you know, it's changed my practice. And, and actually, I was going to ask you, where, where did C4 imaging come from? Is this like seeing does it have something to do with that? You're not trying to like blow up things, are you? We're not. I have to I have to be honest. And that's a, that's a, a a good question. Yeah, C4. Uh, there's, there, there's a variety of C's in there, and you can imagine there's four of them. So there's cobalt, there's contrast, there's chelate, because there's actually the cobalt. It's, well, it's actually cobalt chloride, and then contrast and chelate. So and and the cobalt chloride is chelated inside the device for a variety of reasons for, from a stability point of view principally. So again, not necessarily what the big companies would do from a branding exercise, but we feel it's a distinctive name. It, it sort of it, it relates to the product and it actually gave us an opportunity to focus on branding of the the actual products. So the Sirius, the Orion, and we have a product soon to be launched called Nova you'll get the astronomical connections in all of that. But we believe, you know, that it's certainly those names reflect the navigational principles uh, that we're, we're, we're thinking of in terms of tracking and finding precisely. You know, I, I, I could wax lyrical about, you know. No, I, I got it. That makes a lot of sense. And now I see where your product names come from. So that's what I was getting to. I wanted to hear about Nova. I'm aware it's present and it's, it is a product and it's something you, you are excited about. Absolutely, yeah. Now, we're sort of thrilled to take the technology, again, one step further, we feel. It's, you know, we, we've, back to the principle of we don't want to just be focused on one specific technology that we're enabling. We want to enable as many technologies as possible if it brings quality to medical treatment. And, of course, brachytherapists are brachytherapists. They're, they're also radiation oncologists. And we anticipated and felt that there would be a role for a a non-metallic marker in the external beam and, to be honest, proton beam segments that enables better targeting and planning of those treatment modalities, again, without having to rely on a metal fiducial. 
Yeah, you, you kind of make that jump from CT. Many of the utilizations of protons utilize MR, but MR is, doesn't visualize a lot of things well, bone, for instance, and soft tissue. And so if you can integrate MR more directly, that can be quite a product. So you envision this in the care of breast cancer patients or kind of differently in prostate cancer patients? Where, where do you see this going? So, so, I mean, the current plan is early in 2022, we'll roll out Nova um, as a fiducial marker, really in that sort of beam space. And you're right, CT is, you know, becomes more important there. And we, we have a, a novel approach to a combination of the C4 agent within the device and a, a CT visible component that's not based on metal again. We, we, we really want to shy away from that, that metallic approach. And then in due course, we're also evaluating the same core technology as a, as a breast biopsy site marker. That, that a lot of the, you know, the imaging properties that we're looking for are present in the Nova device, it's certainly from a mammography point of view, from a uh, an MR point of view, really would fit the the bill in terms of what surgeons and radiologists are looking for in that space. We just want to do a little bit more development to develop that product into a product specifically for the breast uh, imaging market, as opposed to take a product which we think is fantastic as a fiducial marker. But there's a few a few improvements we think we can make for it as a, a breast biopsy site marker. So are you saying, so when I think fiducial, you're thinking, well, you know, it's associated with image guidance, perhaps, for the treatment external beam. But you're thinking of it stepping outside of that box and saying, well, I can mark a abnormality on MR and follow it longitudinally, whether it's breast cancer, prostate cancer, a sarcoma. It's to, you can follow the response to chemotherapy, perhaps, even as you go through a neoadjuvant treatment process, mark an esophageal tumor or a rectal tumor. You're thinking all along those lines, anywhere where MRI, CT, you know, watching tumor response in the liver, pancreas, all these things have applicability. So you can use them for IGRT, but you can also use them as a... A reminder of what was seen before and to follow it longitudinally because it will be there, huh? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it, it's spot on. And you're right. I mean, both, you know, be it in, in a breast or in a prostate, there's a strong rationale for actually having a, an MRI-based marker placed at the point you wish to potentially go back and, you know, and further assess in whatever way and to have that reliable information on that location. Yeah, because we can Use longitudinally, but it's not a it's not perfect, and you might really lose a point of interest over time, depending on tumor response. So, oh, that's that's nifty to say the least. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And again, it's it, we're 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 looking for opportunities and clinical spaces where we feel that the technology can make a positive difference. What kind of size? If, if it's been worked out and finalized in production, what kind of size do you anticipate these Nova markers to be, say, for the prostate? A little bit shy of a centimeter. And there's, there's, some, there's some possible variation. We, we, we ultimately are looking at whether there's more than one version that we could actually launch, depending on, on clinical need. Again, it's, we, we don't want to overwhelm you know, with a variety of products when there's when there's a specific need for a specific size, but assume in the, in the ballpark of about a centimeter. You know, it sounds like you have that flexibility to, does that mean you're, 
like in some cases you can increase the signal, whereas in others you can decrease the signal depending on what the needs of the the practitioner is? I think not necessarily increase or decrease the signal, but certainly increase the volume that's available to be detected. You know, so and in, in there may be clinical reasons why a slightly smaller option is better than a slightly larger option. No, sure. And I, I hate to pick on you about all these little details. No, it's, it's good. fascinating to me. And of course, I don't know all the the years of processes you've gone through to kind of idealize what what people are going to want to put in their hands to utilize for various disease sites, right? I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. And again, it's it. There's going to, I'm sure, hopefully, there'll be a series of you know chats like this with with you know other players in the in the industry and i'm sure others would confirm the the challenges of of product development and then fda approval you know you have to you have to think them through because you when you develop a product you're essentially and i've always you know maybe maybe others wouldn't see it this way i always think you're coming up with a recipe and then the fda approves the recipe a little bit different from a drug where you have a lot of trials etc but we have to then make our device per the recipe we've we've established with the fda um, and quite rightly, FDA expect you to have some very serious controls over that manufacturing development process. So you, you really have to think through what your finished device will look like at the start of the process and try and hit as many of the check marks that you, you feel the potential audience want and hope, hopefully deliver a product that can be utilized by as many people as possible from a clinical point of view. Yeah, that's neat. That's a neat perspective on kind of the behind the scenes of entrepreneurship and gaining patents and protecting them and going forward, just trying to meet the needs that you see out there clinically and see how they can be adapted. Sure. So, you know, it brings up something we talk about in our American Brachytherapy Society workshops on how to meet quality, how to, how to improve your quality as a team and stuff. And we, we talk about an MRI-based product for LDR where, you know, there's, there's many obstacles I think people out there struggle with with their teams, there's the, you know, universal planning, universal implanting, and then control for ultimately, you know, how do you control for toxicity while giving a nice dosimetric cloud and LDR? And then how do you, how do you capture that longitudinally to show that you're doing a good job? And I always think of, uh, you know, what we've been talking about is a process of taking an MR, having auto contouring, auto planning really in in milliseconds to be able to be evaluated by a team going forward to the OR, syncing the ultrasound in the MR effortlessly and maybe correcting a little bit with intraoperative dosimetry, but coming up with this ideal seed placement that avoids the sphincter, you know, controls for the dose of the rectum. So toxicity is controlled well, given this you know, our, our brachytherapy, our ablative dose that we know has this high rate of local control, you know, despite tumor burden and the other things that we can't get at with external beam radiation. And then, you know, shifting that back with auto contouring, auto seed finding, and pulse up dosimetry on an MRI that really shows what we did and how we, how we protected the patient and also serve the patient, whether it's focal therapy, whole gland therapy, et cetera. You know, I just, I, I can see where C4 fits this space as w- would be like kind of a pillar of that kind of practice. Do you see C4 in that direction? Are you, where do you see 
see for going in 2022 and beyond? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And again, I've, I sort of see C4 as the, it's only in the planning for the delivery and then the post treatment assessment almost as closing a loop. Now, C4 has no direct role in that initial, ideally MRI based planning. But having taken that step and then really choosing to do your, your sort of treatment plan based on MR anatomy, it's really imperative to then close that loop to make the judgment on the the success of the treatment. It seems like, I mean, what I would suggest is let's let's go on with this. I mean, we're used to, as providers, fusing many different technologies together to maximize outcome. It seems like you have those partnerships in mind as you go forward. You're one of the key points of it, but you have to have a you know, a tweaked MR program and HDR, LDR access, you have to have the patients in mind. And this is what we do as providers. What tools do we need for this patient today? And C4, treatment planning software, AI access to a cloud, maybe a library of plans. It all kind of falls into place in my image or my vision of going forward. And that's why it was exciting what you were saying is that you you see these partnerships or these uh, you know, co-promotional ideas to make our clinical practice better as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I think, I mean, the idea of, of, of partnership is, for us, is, is, is critical. We don't, we don't see C4 as really competing with anybody in the prostate brachytherapy, in the HDR brachytherapy space. It's what, what we want to do is help everybody do a better job and make brachytherapy what it really should be for the, the community as a whole. So, for example, and you, I think you just mentioned this, the idea of, of AI or artificial intelligence being utilized in, you know, many medical areas, you know, to not necessarily improve upon the human, but to remove some of the, the, the mundane parts that humans have to do and allow them to focus on, you know, other aspects of, of managing patients. So if you can train an artificial intelligence to utilize C4 images of prostate brachytherapy cases post-implant, and with time, you build up a, you know, basically a, a, an, an educational base within or database within that AI system. You're turning around a post-implant plan in in seconds as opposed to many minutes. And then, if that's then tied back to the original plan that was generated for that patient, again on MR, so we're looking at MR anatomy. We're we're both closing the loop, which is really saying the job that has or hasn't been done for the patient. We're also hopefully speeding up and making more accurate that final assessment. And I think something that you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of physicians and you know, and and other members of the clinical team in prostate brachytherapy and general brachytherapy really think hard and believe in training and ongoing improvement of themselves. So again, one of the things I like about the brachytherapy community, there's a lot of of a desire to train and to improve. And I think what we offer with C4 and with others in the in the partnership is that ability to help people do a better job. If you can really see how well you've done and know and maybe some of the areas of improvement based on your MRI post-implant information, then maybe there's a few tweaks you can learn for the next case. Maybe you can see something where that patient, you know, maybe there's something you want to think about for post-treatment management of the patient. If all of these things can be brought together to lead to better brachytherapy, then I think we as C4 would have done a good job. 
it, it, you know, and we would have played a part in it. And again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'll, I'll fall back on my Englishness, and you know, we pride ourselves, maybe falsely sometimes, of being modest. But I, I, I think C4 has has the ability to contribute to allowing people to do better brachytherapy. And that's not because they're not doing good brachytherapy. It's just illuminating areas of improvement. And, and, and that's a great thing for all of us to improve upon what we do on a, you know, on a continual basis. Yeah, that's fantastic, Andrew. And it's an absolute pleasure to talk with you today, chat, so to speak, on many topics. And it kind of brings us back to what we talked about at the beginning. On your side, it's quality you know, that's the word you use to begin with. And on our side as practitioners, we've known that the quality of an implant is the biggest predictor of outcome. And though there's variability and you're kind of linking us to the future of better quality by bringing a lot of tools into the space. And, you know, we thank you. I think ABS wants, you know, we evolved together and I appreciate you taking the time on this, this initial podcast, our first podcast on Industry Spotlight. And I want to remind the listener today that you can meet Andrew in person. I'm going to predict his future that I'm going to see him in June at the annual ABS meeting. I assume you'll be there, Andrew? I, I, I will be there, absolutely. So we have a wonderful in-person annual meeting in June planned at the Gaylord Resort and. Denver, which is a really lovely family resort. It is situated outside of Denver. It has a a lot of fun things to do there. And it's kind of the entryway to the National Park System in Colorado, National Monuments. So I encourage everybody to look at it, to visit for a number of reasons, but to re-engage with our industry in this first time the annual meeting has been back in the present, in person. And Andrew, thank you again today for spending this time with us. I truly appreciate it. I I wish you the best. I wish C4 the best with these products they brought to us and so that we can do our best. Well, thank you very much, Pete. I really enjoyed the opportunity to chat with you and um, you know, and, and look forward to seeing you um in person in Colorado. Yeah, and so it, yeah, that's gonna be fun. And and so we have uh I have a team to root for, Cambridge Indeed. in the FA Cup. And I have to I also root for them on succeeding to move from the first division up to the Premier League. So I'll be keeping an eye out for that. Good. Yeah. So so for for all for for everybody out there who's interested, they'll be playing Newcastle United in the next round of the FA Cup. And and for what it's worth, Newcastle are a premier team and but they're they're a little bit on the rope. So Cambridge may even have a chance against them, which would be fantastic. I'll be watching. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for all your time today. Really appreciate you. Goodbye. Cheers.